Hello everyone, my name is Nana, the Clinical Content Editor at CND, and today I'm very fortunate to have the lovely Jane Lambert with us. Jane's a nurse and CEO and founder of ECG and Make Well Clinic. But without any further ado, I'll let Jane introduce herself. So hello, Jane. Hi, Nana and everybody. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Um, lovely to see you again and catch up. So as you said, yes, I'm Jane Lambert. I'm still a qualified nurse and I've been running ECG Healthcare Group or ECG Training, as many of you know us, for the last 21 years. And as you quite rightly said, Makewell Clinic as well now. To go straight into it, I wanted to find out what it was that motivated you to start ECG. Like you said, you were a nurse. What made you venture into this field and to start doing your training and then the Make Well as well? Sure. So yeah, I deserted the NHS, didn't I? 21 years ago. My last role in the NHS was as a resuscitation officer. So um, that was, again, training training the nurses, training the doctors at the hospital um, with the end goal of obviously saving lives, not only improving life as a nurse, but saving lives. The reason why I was ready to leave the NHS and start ECG was that I saw a big gap in the market in primary care. And there was a lot of inconsistencies around training and clinical skills in primary care. And I just felt that that was something that was a challenge, but I also felt that I was in the right place to make a big difference there. So that was kind of the main reason for ECG, which very quickly gathered pace to training for the NHS and then steering into the world of community pharmacists. <laughs> within, within a couple of years of starting ECG, I was exposed to community pharmacy that never looked back. <laughs> yes, the madness of community pharmacy. Absolutely. I know I remember working with ECG when we were doing our first flu training which was really good. And then we did our first aid training with you guys. Basically, I haven't been able to get rid of Jane since. <laughs> <laughs> She's, you've, always been, you've always been all right. And to me, it feels like ECG has always been there with pharmacists as soon as we started doing clinical training. You recently branched out into the Makewell Clinic. Um, I was just trying to find out a little bit for your motivation for doing that. I guess the motivation for Makewell is twofold, really. One... Through the pandemic, a lot of our clinicians, a lot of our staff and ourselves, we kind of became more clinical as well as training. So that whether that's COVID testing and then setting up COVID vaccination programs. And that really reignited for me a passion for hands-on clinical care. So Makewell really almost is to enhance access to clinical services for our local community in Milton Keynes. It is a private clinic. But actually, secondly, it is to almost be a bit of a, a flagship walk in the walk site for community pharmacists. So we're already involved in training, in trying to support you guys in developing clinical skills so that you can offer clinical services and provide everything around that in terms of PGDs, etc. But actually to demonstrate how to set services up and actually to share our raw experience of what's worked for us, what hasn't worked just again it's walking the walk and sort of doing everything demonstrating ourselves how to do it and like I say some things have been very successful some things haven't but happy to share all of our experiences with community pharmacy. I mean that has been great and I think that's one of the things that kind of like comes off when anyone interacts with ECG it's very clear that you're not the kind of company that's like no this is ours we're doing it very happy to share our practice you're very happy to share it's really interesting to know about the Makewell Clinic to see what you guys are doing. 
because like you said, it's walking the walk. So like in the future with IPs coming around and with pharmacists being able to prescribe, I think this is the kind of clinic that would take a lot of the weight away from the NHS and from the health service, basically. So I wanted to know, really, what kind of services are you guys doing at the moment? And where do you think community pharmacy will fit in? Absolutely. Well, I guess to one extent, Makewell Clinic, for anyone that's been to see us, and most of you obviously are all around the country, so haven't, Makewell Clinic is, we are based in a 800-year-old historic site. So our disadvantage to um, compared to community pharmacies is that we don't have anybody walking past our front door. We don't have an existing kind of footfall, if you like. So our marketing has to be good and our messaging has to be good. And actually, you guys are in a, a good head start position. So the services that we're offering, we've thought hard about what services people want to access in primary care and also thinking about what's difficult for patients to access. So, you know, can they not get access to it because there's a long wait in the GP practice or there's no obvious other provider? So at Makewell, we offer travel health, which is going great guns. And, and that's really, and again, we keep trying to share this story with community pharmacies. The biggest success for us in our travel health has been really knocking on the doors of GPs and building the relationship with GPs. And most of our travel health patients now come from GP referrals. The other thing that, that, again, is very popular for us here is vaccinations. And I know, obviously, community pharmacy has been hugely involved in COVID, flu, but actually widening. So we offer all vaccinations and we offer all ages. Okay. And that's something that I'm quite keen for ECG to further support community pharmacies in terms of building the confidence to vaccinate Babies yes. and children. They are scary, so aren't they, scary in comparison to an yes. adult? I remember in practice, like, we did the training about how they should be held and how they should you should vaccinate them. But they're so small. <laughs> when it comes to putting a needle, it's just, yeah, it is. So, yeah, I remember doing the training, but I don't ever remember having a confidence to actually do one. So, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, I do think it's the way forward. You know, I do know pharmacists that do vaccinate children and therefore have built that confidence. And, and actually, it takes me right back to those early days, kind of 18, 19 years ago, of training pharmacists to vaccinate adults <laughs> for the first time. And we would have a whole room full of people that were white <laughs> and just ghost-like and their eyes kind of bulging, thinking, I am not going to put a needle in someone's arm. And you guys are all yeah. doing it without a second thought now. <laughs> so, See, I was the opposite. So I was quite happy to put a needle in someone's arm. But when it came to when, <laughs> when I had to get an, an injection myself, I was like, no. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, so it's you know, it's ECG, it's been fabulous to see the confidence and the skills growing community pharmacy over the, the journey so far. Um, and I really would like to see you guys um, building confidence for, for child vaccinations, because I think there's a real place in community pharmacy. And you've undoubtedly proved yourself and your ability to, to upscale and, and deliver. And so, you know, good on you. We're also offering things like allergy testing, because that's really popular and actually, again, not particularly accessible for a lot of people. Another really kind of, I guess, hot topic at the moment in a lot of community pharmacies, I know they're looking at microsuction. Yes. So again, some of these themes, they're things that GP surgeries either don't offer anymore or a lot of them don't necessarily offer. So again, it, people still want microsuction. We also offer blood tests, phlebotomy. I remember doing and that again, at the pharmacy shop. 
you did that at the pharmacy show and um, we had huge interest at the pharmacy show. We, we are already quite busy with training pharmacists in phlebotomy. And if you think about taking blood as a diagnostic tool, that opens many doors for many different ailments, illnesses, well-being, not just ailments and illnesses. So that can open up the doors for so many more services um, and not just private, but then potentially commissioned if we get a good volume of skilled workforce then that's going to be a bit of a a potential game changer, just like the vaccinations has been. We do also do just general well-being and health checks because I would probably say even more since COVID, a lot of people are taking responsibility for their health and well-being. And, you know, we hear more and more about it, don't we? It's about prevention. So we don't want to just see patients who are ill. We want to try and encourage patients to take good care of themselves. And even down to a blood test, one of our most popular tests is a well woman or well man blood yes. test. They're not coming because they feel unwell. They're coming they because they well. want to do a bit of an internal MOT. And then it gives them an opportunity to you know, improve their lifestyle or whatever they need to do to be healthier. So that's interesting. Um, We're also really, really keen to work with the NHS in commission services. And obviously, we've seen that already in community pharmacy, haven't we? And I think there's a lot more mileage in that. There's more to go, of course. And that brings us into our ADHD and autism service, which we launched in the summer of last year. So still a very new service for us. But a very, very busy one. I mean, it's great all the services you do. And the thing that I find fascinating is that all of these services with the right training and with the right cohort of pharmacists, these are all things that could be commissioned because they are all taking pressure away from the NHS, which is what pharmacists have been told to do for years now. But this actually gives us the space to do it and their skills to do it. I'm glad you mentioned the AD because this is why basically I wanted us to have this conversation because I saw it and I thought, wow, what a fascinating service to provide and what a fascinating topic to go into because I found us myself, ADHD and autism, even though we gave the medication for it and we would see patients for it, there wasn't much taught to us about what it was, how to treat it, how to speak to patients that are suffering, how to speak to parents that have children that are suffering from it. So we kind of just depended on the dispensing part of it, but not taking any part in the clinical side of it. So I was really interested to see what made you go into that field in the first place. I guess people have passions for different reasons, don't they? My passion for ADHD and autism really comes out of lived experience. So I have adopted three girls many years ago. So I've got three adopted daughters. Um, My youngest has ADHD. I suspect the others do as well, but um, won't comply to an assessment at the moment. Um, (laughs) However, my experience of accessing an assessment was that my youngest didn't meet the criteria to get assessed on the NHS even. And even if you do, we all know there's a huge waiting list of, you know, two to three years, pretty much most places in the country that I'm aware of at the moment. In a child's life, that's a huge amount of time and, and you know, affecting their education. So it's kind of born out of my own frustrations of getting an assessment, but actually that is just the beginning. If you get an assessment and they recommend medication, it's then having a provider that can continue on that journey with you to prescribe, 
to monitor, to review. As, as that child develops in age, their needs Dangerous. change yeah. with ADHD or autism, and therefore what support they need changes with that. So it's an ongoing journey, really. So I guess in ECG's classic one-stop shop style, with my own frustrations, I just sat down one day and thought, I need to change it and we're going to do it ourselves. There you go. <laughs> so, there was nothing around in Milton Keynes on a private basis. So I was taking my daughter, I live in Milton Keynes, so I was taking my daughter to Leicester or to Oxford, oh, wow. which you, you, you do for that right support because it's a huge impact on the child's life, but actually the whole family. Um, so I decided actually we need something like that in Milton Keynes to support people. So I just did my classic networking because obviously you do have to have the right experienced and trained professionals to do the assessments. It's not something that Anyone I to go yeah. on a course and do, um, not easily anyway. So I gathered a, a really comprehensive team of professionals, which we have consultant psychiatrists, we have clinical psychologists, we have nurse um, specialists and prescribers assistant psychologists and have also just taken on a social worker so um, we're actually trying to develop a real center of excellence where we're not constrained by um, red tape or resources yeah. as long as we can afford to do it and we've got the income coming in we can think big and we have no ceiling and I absolutely love that for this patient group because they deserve yeah, that. that is amazing because um, for a patient having come in and having that kind of service and also having someone to take you is what every patient group wish they could have in a service. Basically having a, uh, someone, a health a clinician take you through and a multi-talent and a multi-group of clinicians take you through your whole journey. Um, I guess my question on um, being a pharmacist would be, where do you think we would sit in that um, journey? And what kind of skills do you think we need in order to help a patient group? From talking to community pharmacists, the pharmacy show and just generally, I think there's very little training had in general by community pharmacists around the subject of neurodiversity. And I think there are some pharmacists that are quite educated in it, but that generally is because people have lived experiences, maybe family and friends that have got it, a colleague. So actually, therefore, that kind of makes you take more interest, doesn't it? But if it's not in your day-to-day -day life, you're probably not going to know a lot about it. And as you quite rightly said earlier, you do dispense medication for these people. So you will probably see them regularly through their journey. And you will probably end up finding that actually for a lot of our patients, their medication changes because it's not working or they have side effect from it and whatever else. So they're going through quite a journey as they're turning up into your community pharmacy. So for the pharmacist having understanding, what also interests me is that actually so many of our patients, older children and certainly adults, but older children, so many of our patients actually come to us having been treated for anxiety and depression for years by their GP and you guys would be given dispensing their medication. Yes. So I'm not suggesting for one second Just you guys um, can sort of sub-diagnose and say, have you thought about having an ADHD <laughs> assessment? But maybe it's time that we could have some leaflets or, you know, some, some, some visual educational material in pharmacy, which actually almost could be, are you suffering from um, anxiety, depression, and then some more informative information to make people think, because the amount of people we've assessed that, like I say, haven't really improved from that medication that they have been on for years because they've been 
misdiagnosed? I think it's a, that's a really good point because I think there's a thing in pharmacy when, when it comes to neurodivergent patient. Like you said, we see the medication change and we see the medication dose goes up. When if it was with any other patient group, say a diabetic or blood pressure, we would see that change and we would know to have a conversation with that patient and we would know what conversation to have with that patient. But when it comes to neurodivergent patients, we kind of almost just rely on the fact that it's being done by a consultant. There is a real space because just as us being the face of healthcare to a lot of patient groups, I feel like they need someone to talk to. They are just a patient group as everyone. They need that access. They need that patient care throughout. And I think for pharmacists, if we had the knowledge, first of all, and we had a, the source of information, so like you said, posters, and we knew what to do in what situation, it would be really good, not just for our practice, but also for our patient groups to be able to offer that care to them. Saying that, what are the kind of learnings that you think we should, as a community pharmacist or as a pharmacy group, we should be looking at? Or where can we be going to get information are you going to start going around doing training for all of us again, Jane? Well, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, what, what I love about running my own business is that there's always a crossover between our training and our clinical work, of course, because let's share best knowledge and practice. It is something that's very much on our radar to provide some training for those people that are interested to learn more. And, and actually what it will be, it'll probably be online training, maybe some webinars that we're going to be sharing with you guys, but it will be practical tips. So helping you, helping community pharmacists with awareness, not making it too heavy, but making it sort of practical tips. So for example, if you had a conversation with a patient with ADHD with their med, about their medication, you, you may well find that if you give them too much verbal instructions, you completely lose them. A practical tip could be that you could write it down or, again, think about having some cue cards or some just little leaflets so people can take their time. Equally, being a community pharmacy in a busy setting is quite a trigger for a lot of patients who may have sensory differences to come in. There's lots of noise. There's people listening to their conversation. It's busy. There's a whole lot of clutter, isn't there, in <laughs> community pharmacy. So maybe having a, a right. quiet space could be the treatment room that's cleaner, calmer, um, like, say, written kind of instructions rather than overwhelming them with, you know, with different noises. So I think as well as us looking at doing training, there are some really good websites. So, for example, the ADHD Foundation has got some really good resources on there for things to be aware of when it comes to sensory, when it comes to interaction, communication, as does the National Autistic Society. So a lot of people can do some self-directed learning and awareness around that. Um, certainly a lot of people with ADHD and um, autism do suffer with sensory differences whether that's, you know, hearing or whether that's visual. So it's just thinking about how your staff communicate with patients and how you communicate and, and the, whole, the whole atmosphere. And again, you may well have a patient that looks completely uninterested or withdrawn and you might put it to something else or they're being rude, for example, because they're interrupting you. And actually it's recognising that that could just be, yeah. that's what people with ADHD do and that's normal and it doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's just how they communicate. And I think what I find really interesting is that we're talking about patients. 
there's probably a huge portion of your workforce and your colleagues who may well be yes. neurodiverse. And actually, what I will say at ECG is that um, we do have quite a few neurodiverse employees. I mean, I would say as a group of professionals, as pharmacists, I think just to be a pharmacist would require a little bit of neurodivergence on our part, um, especially in the job we do. <laughs> well, do you know what? There is, there is a lot to be said for, um, you tend to find people who are neurodiverse follow certain um, pathways and career choices because it's either, you know, the, the kind of like that empathy and that caring or it's, you know, quite fast paced, adrenaline, dopamine releases. So you do find certain sectors will be probably higher in neurodiversity. And what I would absolutely love in all of this to achieve is to reduce the stigma. Because so many people still think of ADHD, for example, as being hyperactive and naughty. Yes in a really old fashioned way. And I want, I want children, but also adults to be, to be able to say yeah. that they're neurodivergent and it not be a negative thing because actually there's some amazing things around being neurodiverse. You know, a lot of real entrepreneurs are neurodiverse because, you know, they have the energy, they have the drive, they have the humor. And being different is always good. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. it's, um, I almost think it would be of real benefit because I remember when there was that huge, when we had that huge campaign during the QPS on dementia and we had to do dementia friend and everyone in the pharmacy had to become a dementia friend. I remember the impacts that had on treating patients with dementia and just being able to recognize that certain behaviors are not being done just because they're misbehaving or just because they want to do it is just a condition. And I remember the impact it had on my staff and on the patient group that we had. So I'd almost think it would be a real benefit to have something like that. Here at the CND, we are hoping to do a lot more content on this. It's just a little plug. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I want my plug to be bigger than your plug. You'll you'll get a big plug at the end game. We're hoping to do a lot more content on ADHD and autism and to raise awareness, just like Jane said, and to offer training and CPD for pharmacists that are that want to. And I think it would be really good for all um, healthcare professionals, not just pharmacists, to do pay some attention to this. Unfortunately, Jane, this is bringing us to the end. So I'll let you have your plug. It's been amazing. And I'm so impressed with the work you're doing, um, especially in this space. And I'm really looking forward to coming and seeing how the clinic work and what the assessments are. Um, Like I said, I have a big interest in this and I'm hoping to raise awareness and hopefully together we can get this training to the right people and to get as many community pharmacists interested as possible. So it's time for your plug. One thing I forgot to mention about the training, but I do feel quite passionate about it, and it should be available free of charge to healthcare professionals now, and that's the Oliver McGowan mandatory training. Okay, perfect. So that is born off of a boy with autism who died, unfortunately, because the doctors didn't didn't listen to the patient and the parents. So the mum has really just crusaded this. So that is amazing. Um, But yeah, kind of last plug, really, if you want to know more about um, ADHD, autism for your own purpose, if you want to even consider referring patients to us and want to understand more, please do so. And you will see more over this year in terms of us helping you to raise awareness for patients. Our patients from Makewell do come across the country, actually. 
So do talk to us if you've got somebody in mind. Perfect. Thank you so much. And all the websites that have been mentioned and all the places will be available in the blurb underneath the podcast. So please do feel free to have a look and let us know what you think and let us share with us your content. So thank you. Another big thank you, Jane. I have to say throughout one thing that I found really interesting through our conversation is the difference of how a patient with neurodivergent would see the world and how that affects their clinician's impact on them. So I'm very happy and I'm very glad that you guys have this service that sees a patient through all of this. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. (laughs) And it's been a real pleasure, as always. (laughs) We'll see you again soon. And we look forward to seeing you in the clinic. Um, Thank you again for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Mm -hmm.